0: Hi, I am pastor Jason Shirley I'm the associate pastor here in Word of Life Church in Carlsbad New Mexico and I want to thank you for joining us today online I want you to go right now before we get started and download our app you can download it from the Apple App Store or from the Google Play Store by simply searching Word of Life Carlsbad. If you would like to give today, then you can give online by going to our app or our website, or you can also text 84321, and when you search, just search Word of Life Carlsbad. Thank you once again for joining us, and you're going to join our service already in progress. Before I get into my message today, and we're going to continue talking about the power of the Holy Spirit today, and Pastor Daniel's been on this for about six weeks, um, talking about the Holy Spirit. But before I talk about that, I want to give you a little bit of uh, encouragement and then ask you for some help. So uh, around here at Word of Life, um, we have a lot of stuff going on. And um, there's a lot of things that happen every single week just to make the worship experience a great one. Um, Today, I think we've got about like 40 people that traveled to Tulsa for um, that wedding. And um, so we're a little light today. But, um, and I know all y'all are watching online, right? On your drive home, good morning. Um, But every single week we have a lot of stuff that happens. And um, we need hands, we need volunteers in order to help, in order to make this happen every single week. And, And we're a growing church. We believe that things are happening. And so we need people to show their hands and to volunteer. Now, many of you do. And all that we ask is that you volunteer one Sunday a month. All right? One Sunday a month. And it's, it, it's extremely important, and it really makes a big difference as to how things go. And some of you, you just you know that you show up and everything happens. Well, it happens because there's a lot of people that, that, that give of their time in order to do this, and it's not difficult. Um, we have all kinds of areas. We need help um, in, in the media if that's something that, that um, interests you. We need help there. We need help running camera. We need help um, in, in all kinds of ways. We need help out at our welcome counter and in our kids' classes and in the cafe and ushering and in security. Did you know that we have security every week? Um, we do. And you don't see the security guys all the time, except for maybe when you're crossing the street. But the security people, they walk around the building. They make sure that everything is good, that we're safe, we're, we're secure in the world that we live in today. That's a necessary thing. And so all we ask you to do is we ask you to help one Sunday a month, and we ask you to be here just 30 minutes early, all right, Um, 35 minutes early. We have prayer corporately right out in the lobby at 925, and our whole team prays, and then we go and and we distribute to our areas. Um, So... We're not asking a lot from you, but we need you to help. And I want to tell you a little story. Um, you guys, get out your phones or something and make a note of this because I want—I I wish that everyone would get this book. And if you're not—if you're not a reader, um, it, it's also available on audiobook. It's available on um, Audible if you subscribe to Audible. Uh, but this book—it's called "Quit Church." Quit church. And um, it's this big thing, like, I can't believe that a pastor is actually telling us to quit church. Well, the, the premise of the book, I'm not going to go way into it. It's not my message today. But the premise of the book is quitting the traditional way of doing church. And one story that he tells in there is very, um, is very pertinent to what we're talking about here with volunteering. Um, he says, quit helping out. And he tells this story that he was over at a friend's house, and he tells it better you're here in the book, um, or read it in the book, but he tells the story he said I was over at a friend's house, me and my wife, and we get finished with dinner and uh, I stood up and I grabbed my plate and I took it to the kitchen and I, I asked if anybody else was done, and I grabbed their plates, and he said I was there, and the dishwasher was there, and the and, and so I start I start taking care of the of the dishes just. Just doing that. And they were like, no, no, you don't have to do that. You don't, don't worry, you don't have to do that. No, it's okay, really, you're our guest, really, you don't have to take it. He was like, no, it's fine, it's fine, I'm helping out, it's cool. So we took care of him. He said, when we got back home um, that night, we pulled into the driveway, and, um, and I saw that our dumpster was still out on the curb, and so my wife goes inside and I walked out and I grabbed the dumpster and I rolled it up by the house and I went inside and she was doing dishes and I started helping her. He goes, nobody in my house said, no, no, you don't have to do that. No, it's cool. No, it's, no, it's all right. We'll take care of that. He said, because it's my house, it was my responsibility. So said, we have this idea in church that we're helping out and we're performing some kind of service, but really it's our house and we need to take care of it. I believe that every person that calls this place home that calls word of life home needs to do something in the church. Now, I don't know what that is, and maybe you're like, you know, what? I just I don't really like people that much. I don't really want to do this. I, I like I, I love everyone, but I only like a few, so I don't know about that. That's okay. There are plenty of things to do. There's things to do during the week. But every single person needs to do something in the local church. I'm not asking you to give up your life. We're all very busy. I understand. We're all very busy. But there is something that you can do in the local church. So get involved somehow, some way, and don't diminish your efforts because even your small efforts, what you may think is small, is huge. All right? And everybody joining together, doing their part, creates a whole body of Christ. Amen? Praise God, praise God, sounds good. So are you cool? Are we cool? All right, sounds good. Well, I'm gonna get started on the message today and uh, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit and I want—I apologize, my throat's scratchy today and uh, Kay amazingly brought me a uh, pineapple tea from Starbucks with uh, no sugar. That's my, that's my drink of choice, I know I'm weird but so now, did you see that? So, put that. So, yeah, it's my first time. So, it's not bad for my first time, right? Um, I was just thinking anytime that you take a drink, everybody out there is like, man, I really wish I had a drink. Maybe we could pray for Jesus to multiply the tea today. Um, <laughs> Amen. I'll be brief. How about that? Actually, looking at that, I have 17 minutes. That's not going to work. Okay. So let's get started today. Father God, I thank you today for your word. I thank you that it's spirit and life to us. God, I pray today that as we open up your word, that you will pour out into us your purposes and your plans for us, that you'll reveal truth to us today through the Holy Spirit that lives in us. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I was talking with somebody this week at dinner. And um, they said, you know, when I was young, um, my, my mother encouraged us to go and to, uh, they had a church, he said, but my mom encouraged us to go and to, to visit all kinds of churches and to find uh, a church where we felt comfortable. And if that was the church that we grew up in, then that was fine. And if it was a different one, then that was fine. But we needed to go and we needed to, to have a body that we belonged to. And then he said, so I went one time and I visited um, a, a Pentecostal church. And he's not, he's not Pentecostal. He said, I visited a Pentecostal church. And when I did, they, everything was cool. It was a little more lively than I was used to. But everything was good. But then they began to, like, shout in other tongues. And people started running around. And it got really crazy and kind of weird. And I just didn't really feel comfortable. He said, I'm not saying it's wrong or anything. I'm just saying that that wasn't something that that really jived with me. And he ended up settling. He actually ended up settling back in the church that that he grew up in, which I think is great. But it really struck me as we were standing there and we were talking because I thought, how many people have a very poor view of the Holy Spirit because we've just been really weird about it? How many people have a poor view? of the Holy Spirit's ministry because we've been so weird. I remember at times that I would think when I would bring somebody to church or whatever, man, I hope nothing weird happens today because if something weird happens, they might be freaked out. So I want you to just be brutally honest today because nobody's going to judge you who's thought the same thing. All right. And so several years ago, this is maybe... 10 or 15 years ago for me, I began to ask God, okay, God, I don't believe that your desire is to ever make somebody uncomfortable. Now, I grew up in it. I understand it. And it doesn't make me feel uncomfortable. But I don't believe that your desire is that anybody's uncomfortable. And so, God, how do we find this balance? God, what do we need to do? Do we need to teach better on it? Do we need, what do we need to do? And I I really believe this, and I'm not trying to put down any other church, and I want you to understand this today. Because I believe that that everyone has, no, everyone is maybe a wrong word, but I believe that the majority have a pure heart, and they want to do what's right. They don't want to push anybody away. But I've come to realize in my life that the only time the Holy Spirit and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit seems weird or uncomfortable, it's when it's done incorrectly. We talk about tongues and, and um, speaking with other tongues in our heavenly prayer language, and the scripture tells us that it's the tongues of men and the tongues of angels. And, but I, I believe this that tongues are this much of the work of the Holy Spirit. I mean, if we were in this entire room, it would be this much of it, of the work of the whole, it'd be like what's in this cup in response to filling up this room. It's a very small portion, but it's what we seem to focus on, and I think it's because it's the easiest to kind of quantify, to put our hands on. And so we, we, we spend so much time on, on what are tongues, and why do I need tongues, and And I believe it's a vital part of your life. Don't get me wrong. But tongues are for you. They're to build you up. Speaking with other tongues are to strengthen you. The Bible says you build yourself up in your most holy faith by praying in an unknown tongue. I believe that this is because that when we speak out of our mouth, that our words have power. Our words create. But there's sometimes when you just are incapable of saying anything good. You know, your mom always said, if you can't say anything good, don't say anything at all, right? So most of us just shouldn't talk most of the time. But if your words create, then we need to be creating something. We need to be putting something into motion. And so God said, I'm going to help you in your weakness. I'm going to help you when you're all messed up in the head. I'm going to help you when you're having such a bad day that all you want to do is just go off on somebody. I'm going to help you whenever you start to get out your phone and start to type that. I'm going to help you to hit the backspace. I'm going to help you in your weakness. And I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit that lives in you that's going to allow me to pray through you so that you can still create. And when you create, you create my plan and my purpose for you even when you can't do it on your own. That's what tongues does for you because it's God praying through you. But that's for you. That's for you. That's not for me. That's for you. But see, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, Paul gets this. And he said, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with an excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. He said, for I determined not to know anything among you except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul said, I only knew one thing when I came to you. I knew Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's it. I wasn't going to talk about anything else. We weren't going to get crazy. I only knew one thing, and I'm going to preach Jesus, and that's it. And then he said, look, this is cool. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but they were with the demonstration of the Spirit and the power. He didn't say, I totally, and this is what the church has done. Now, people get all freaked out about the move of the Holy Spirit, so we just will say, nah, we're not going to do that. I've actually heard of churches that say, we're going to, we have a a church that's like a a service, it's like a secret sensitive service, and then we have one where the Holy Spirit moves. And I say, my gosh, why are you doing a halfway service? I want the Holy Spirit to move in all my services, I want God to do something in the hearts and in the lives of people in all my services. I want there to be a demonstration. Paul said this, I'm going to preach Jesus, you take care of the rest. Because you know how to do it better than me. You know how to do it better than me. I was preaching uh, three weeks ago, or a month ago, in Guatemala. And as I was preaching, I began to prophesy. Now, I didn't have to stand up and say, thus saith the Lord God through his vessel, me everybody look at me because I'm a prophet. I heard one person say, if you have to tell everybody you're, pro- you're a prophet, you're probably not one. I can tell you this, I, I'm no, no prophet. But, as I began to preach, and it was right over here where God was speaking something, and I, I stepped down, and I don't know if you guys know, I walk around a lot. So um, as I was preaching, I walked over here, and I pointed this way, and I started prophesying over someone. And I didn't have to point them out or say, why don't you come up here? Why don't let's all gather around and let's pray for you. Because here's the thing. Probably no one knew at that time that it was a prophecy except the person I was talking to, and it didn't matter. Did it matter at all? No. Nobody needed to know. It was good. We were cool. And it wasn't weird and it wasn't strange, and I didn't have to have smoke coming out and all kinds of stuff and like a spotlight on me. We were good. Nobody cried. I'm not saying any of those, well, maybe the smoke and the spotlight, but I'm not saying those things are wrong. I'm just saying we didn't have to make a production out of it, but the Holy Spirit moved. The Holy Spirit moved in the heart and in the lives of people. He began to change things. See, if I go and I just say, I'm going to preach Jesus, that's it. Then I believe that my speech and my preaching are not just words of man's wisdom, but they're with the demonstration of the Spirit and his power. See, every single week, Pastor Daniel or I or whoever speaks up here, there may be prophecies in the message There may be words of wisdom, and Pastor talked about these last week. There may be words of wisdom in the message and words of knowledge in the message. There may be sometimes, and Pastor um, does this a lot, and I do it from time to time as well when I get the opportunity to speak where I'm like, I think there's somebody here that, that they're going through this in their life or they're going through that in their life. Maybe they're experiencing this or they're experiencing that. They have a pain here or a pain there. Joe does this. He moves in this gift So often, I believe that this is for somebody. See, that's the demonstration of the Spirit's power for you. That's the demonstration for you. I believe God is healing this or healing that. And we need it. Paul said he needed it. But I don't come trying to trump up something that's crazy and weird. I come preaching Jesus. That's it. I come preaching Jesus because I want your faith to stand in the power of God, not in me. Because I can guarantee you this as much as I don't want to, and this is not my heart at all, at some time, at some point, I'm just like you and I'm gonna do something dumb and I'm gonna upset you. I guarantee it. Maybe that's a downer, I'm sorry. But if you've known me long enough, I've apologized to you before. I promise. Some people can testify. They're like, yeah, a lot. I've done some dumb stuff, you guys. And if your faith is in me, I'm going to let you down. I don't want your faith to ever be in me. I want it to be in God. And I want him to reveal to you through what I say because I don't want the power to be in me. It's not anyway. I've said this before, man, I'm not special. When I pray for people, it's not my hands. My hands aren't special. My voice isn't special. Nothing. There's nothing about me that is, that is out of the ordinary. I'm just like you. I just happen to be wearing this microphone today. And that's been the way that God has used me. But God uses you, maybe in a different way, maybe in the same way. But it's not any less or more important than the way that God uses me. He uses us all. And every part is extremely important. See, Paul had the revelation that the cross was enough for him and that the demonstration of the power, it sealed the cross in you. The demonstration of the Holy Spirit sealed the cross in you. That it wasn't about him and it wasn't about the signs and the wonders. Jesus said it follows the preaching of the word. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in order to go to the next level. In your life, are you going to go to heaven if you've accepted Jesus into your life? Yes, you are. Absolutely. You are going to heaven. But if we want to take this to the next level, if we want to take a ton of people with us to heaven, if we want to go and we want to say, I stand here boldly and I proclaim the good news of Jesus, we want to take it to the next level. You need the power. You need the power. I'm going to prove it to you today. To set it up, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, but you will receive power. We're going to come back to this later. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem in Judea, in Samaria, and Judea and Samaria and to the other, uttermost parts of the earth. Uttermost parts. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared on them divided tongues as of fire. It doesn't say their head was on fire. It said that's the best way I can describe what I was seeing is it looked kind of like fire. I wasn't roasting a marshmallow on their head. It wasn't like that. But there appeared unto them divided tongues as a fire, and it set on each one of them. All right, go to 1 Kings on your phone or whatever, 1 Kings chapter 16. I'm just going to kind of reference this, and so you can look. We spoke about this uh, the last time that I spoke in here. I don't remember when it was, um, two months ago or so. We spoke about this passage. And we see Elijah... Elijah goes to King Ahab. Now, Ahab was a very sinful king. And Elijah goes to Ahab and he says, Hey, I just want to warn you that the path you're on right now, because you're worshiping idols, that this is going to lead to a drought in your land. I think that we can identify here with Ahab because sometimes we place things where they don't need to be in our life. We've got our priorities out of whack. Did I say you don't love God? No, I didn't. You love God. I know you do. You love God. I love God. But we kind of mess up sometimes. We get things out of whack, out of priority. And Ahab had built a, a temple to Baal, the god Baal. And there were all kinds of prophets that had been commissioned for the god Baal. And they began to worship him. And so Elijah went to him and he said, man, there's gonna be a drought on your land because you refuse to worship the almighty God, you continue to worship Baal. Guys, in your own life, when you get priorities out of whack, I'm sorry, man, I'm telling you what, that was worse than the first one. I'm, I'm regressing I'm going to have to have somebody feed me. When we get our priorities out of whack, when we begin to, to exalt things above God in our life, what's first place in your life, that can be a relationship. I've seen so many people, man, God is so awesome. Ooh, she's hot. And then we begin to get things out of, out of whack our priorities become skewed. We begin to worship the creation instead of the Creator. It doesn't mean that we stopped loving God, but we got our priorities out of whack. It can be a job. It can be a problem. How many times have we said, "God, please, uh, God, give me a. Uh, I need a new job. God, provide for me." And then God provides you a job, and you drop Him, and you forget about Him. I always, I, I love guys like Kent. Kent, if you don't know Kent, he's standing in the back, wave, uh, wave your hand, raise your hand. So Kent, he works a lot of Sundays, works shift work. We have youth night on Wednesday night. Kent, if he's available, maybe he hadn't been available on a Sunday, he's available on a Wednesday night. Kent is here when he can be. And then he gets a Sunday off and he's here when he can be. Because even though circumstances may be that he can't be here every Sunday morning or whatever, Kent is here, and he's hooked up with God. And he didn't say, no, I just can't. I, I, work is, is a higher priority for me right now. I think about guys like, like Ken Walker, and Ken will be watching this later or listening to the podcast because Ken works a lot of Sundays. He's here when he can be but he's staying hooked up with God. And we've tried to make ways available where you can stay hooked up with the things of God even though sometimes things are crazy in our life. And, and we're bringing some more things, by the way. Um, God has given us this plan. I don't want to go into it, but God has given us this thing that's like, it's killer, but it's going to take a little bit of time. But we're going to make it to where when you can't be here, you can have a full church experience where you're at. I, it's a revolutionary idea, I think. It's a God idea. It's pretty awesome. But he said, you know what? You're, you're going to have a drought in your land because your priorities are out of whack and you're worshiping a false God. We worship all kinds of things. We worship our problems. We worship our hobbies. And you say, how can I worship a problem? How can I do that? How can I, how can I worship a problem? You can worship a problem. What's the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning? Is it the problem or is it the answer? What drives you every single day? Is it just trying to solve this problem or is it Jesus? I know that you're my provider. You spend your time worrying about it. Do you spend your time worshiping the the answer? His priorities are all out of whack. See, I told you 17 minutes was not going to work. I'm already over. Already, I just barely got started. We're gonna we're gonna be close, alright? I, I don't you think I have a lot left. I don't have that much left. It's only I've I've done this much, it's only like that, alright? So it's not so bad. So He tells Ahab, you're going to have a drought in your land. And then Elijah, he goes to a place called Zarephath. And and God tells him that in Zarephath, there's going to be a widow woman that's going to take care of you. Now, the word Zarephath, I told you before, uh, several weeks ago, that this word means to purge, a place of purging, a place of a reset. Because this whole land needed a reset. It needed a place where we're going to take a step back, And then we're going to pursue God. We don't know how we got here. And I think many of us sometimes, we don't know how we got here. Things are not going right, but it wasn't just one thing. You didn't wake up one day and say, man, I want my life to be terrible, so I'm going to do this. But you just get there sometimes. So he took a step back, and he began to say, all right, we're going to reset. So he meets this widow woman. And the widow woman, he says, will you give me a drink? And she says, yeah, I'll get you a drink. And then he says, will you Make me a cake. And she says, I, I only have enough for my son and I to have one more meal, and then we're going to die. And he says, okay, well, that's awesome, but make me one first. And she goes, no, no, I don't think you, you, you misunderstood me, I think, because I said I only have enough for one, and I'm just going to make one, and me and my son are going to split it, and then we don't have anything else, and there's no hope, and we're going to die. He goes, oh, that's a, that's a terrible story. I'm sorry. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to make me one. And then make yourself one, then you can die. No, he didn't say that. He said, but this is, I want you to make me one first. So she obeyed him. She obeyed him. And she made him one. He said to her, if you do this, then the meal and the oil are never going to run dry until it rains again. It's never going to run dry until it, it rains again. So she said, all right, I obey you. She did this. That's really a low-risk proposition, right? I'm going to eat one meal or I eat no meals. But either way, it's just going to speed up the process just a little bit. It's really a low-risk proposition. See, a lot of times when God asks you to do something, it's going to be well within your realm of what you can do. It's just going to push you a little bit. It's just going to push you a little bit. So he says, I want you to make me a cake. She says, okay, cool. And, And so she did that. And then she made her and her son one. And then she made another one. And then she made another one. And the, the meal and the oil it never ran dry. It never ran dry. It's an amazing testimony to God's goodness because even in the drought, if we obey Him, even in the drought, if we do what He said, even in the drought, if we say, God, I, I don't know how this is gonna work out, but I'm gonna follow You. Even in the drought... If you say, God, I don't know how this is going to work, but you said to bring my tithe into the storehouse, and so I'm going to do it. I don't know how it's going to work, but you're going to provide for me, and so I'm going to obey. Even in the drought, she obeyed, and she was provided for. And so Elijah he goes on through this, and, and eventually, three and a half years later, he comes up to Ahab, the king. And here in chapter uh, 17, first Kings, chapter 17. I'm sorry. First Kings, chapter 18. God says, this is in the third year, God says, if you go and you present yourself to Ahab, I'll send rain. I'll send rain. So he goes up, and Ahab is still kind of stuck in his ways with the prophets of Baal. And so Elijah calls him to the carpet, and he says, here's what we're going to do. I want all the prophets of Baal, I want them to come up, and then I'm going to come, and I'm by myself. And we're going to build altars, and we're going to place sacrifices on the altar And I want you to call down fire to light the altar. And wherever there's fire, that's the true God. Wherever there's fire, that's the true God. Now I want you to remember that the first thing Elijah did was he went to Zarephath and he purged, and God sustained him and the widow woman. And then the second thing that Elijah did was he went and he was obedient and he said, Let's bring the rain. Now let's bring the rain. God had mercy on them. Even though the ways hadn't changed, God had mercy. Let's bring the rain. And then Elijah said, we need more than rain. We need some fire. Remember, Acts told us that you'll receive power. When they received the power, it looked like fire. Just a reminder. So the prophets of Baal, they all gather around and they're shouting out. They're like, God, bring it, Baal, bring it rain down on us. They were dancing and cutting themselves and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And Elijah looked and he's like, maybe your God doesn't hear you. Maybe maybe he's asleep. Maybe you need to wake him up. Maybe he's in the bathroom or something. I don't know. I don't know what's happening right now, but there's nothing happening as far as your fire. Nothing's happening. So finally Elijah says, all right, my turn, my turn. Very important here. He takes 12 stones, and this is verse, First uh, Kings 18 verse um, something. I thought maybe I had it up there, but I don't. First Kings chapter 18. 31. Thank you. That's my problem. I wrote 17 in my notes. That's my whole issue. All right, verse 31, it says, Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. This is very important because when Elijah was stepping forward and he was going to make a difference, the first thing that he did was he said, I'm building on my foundation. My foundation is the 12 tribes that started this whole nation, and I'm going to build on that. I'm going to build on foundation. When you start out, you say, I'm building on my foundation. What's your foundation? Jesus Christ is the rock. This revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That when he said it is finished, it is finished. That when he died on the cross and he took his last breath, he put to death sin forever. And that when he rose again, he rose again victorious. I come knowing one thing, remember what Paul said, Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's my foundation. So I'm starting off and I'm building on my foundation. I'm getting ready to call down some fire, y'all, but I got to start somewhere. And so I'm going to start with my foundation, 12 tribes of Israel for Elijah. Mine is Jesus Christ. Second, he said, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to cut up the bull and and put wood on it. I want you to put the bull on the altar. And then I want you to fill four water pots with water, and I want you to pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And then I want you to do it a second time. And then I want you to do it a third time. And then I want it to run all around. And we're going to dig a trench and it fills up the trench. This is what we're going to do. So if we're calling down fire, why are you getting everything wet? Because wet wood doesn't burn. Why are you doing that? We're going to call down fire on this place and we're going to ignite this whole place. This altar is going to be burned up and God's going to show that he's God. But the first thing I want to do is I want to get everything good and wet. And I want to dig a trench, and I want to contain it. When we see water in the Scripture, a water is, is an indicator of the blessing of God being rained down. Jesus said to the woman at the well when he went up and he said, Ma'am, ma'am can I have a drink? And she said, Yeah. And he said, I'm going to give you water that you'll never thirst again. I am the resurrection. I am the life. I am the water that has come from God. I'm living water that has come from God. See, when Elijah poured on the water, he said, I built this on my foundation and then I'm gonna soak it all up with Jesus and I'm gonna dig a trench and I'm gonna fill the trench up with Jesus to where all that we have and we cannot contain any more Jesus. Paul said, I only know one thing, Jesus Christ and him crucified. See, there's just one thing, Jesus, and he's filling it up with Jesus. Elijah said, this whole place needs some Jesus. But he said, we need just a little bit more. We need some fire we need some fire in here and so Elijah he called on the Lord and he said in verse 37 hear me O Lord that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their heart back to you again and then it says fire of the Lord it fell down And it consumed the burnt sacrifice, and it consumed the wood, and it consumed the stone, and it consumed the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Elijah, he built his altar on the foundation of his lineage. Your lineage is Jesus. He dug a trench to contain all the blessings and he drenched it in life. And then he said, now fire come. Elijah did everything that he could control. And then he said, now I need fire. God, you've already given me all the tools. You've given me life. I'm gonna drench myself and I'm gonna immerse myself in Jesus. That's all for me. But these people, these people need some fire. So let's bring some fire. After Elijah received the fire, he turned around and he said, now the rain's coming. Now the rain's coming. You can see that in uh, 1 Kings chapter, four, chapter uh, 18, verse 41. It said, and then Elijah, he said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundant rain. He said, man, I've done what I needed to do. You were worshiping those idols. I don't think you think they're real anymore because we got some fire. I only know one thing. I know Jesus Christ. That's it. So I'm going to build my altar, and I'm going to soak myself up with Jesus, and I'm good with that, and so I'm going to preach that, but then, God, I need some fire for all these people so that I can show them, but they received power, the disciples, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, and on them were cloven tongues as of fire because they were good they knew the resurrected christ but they needed some fire this is good right here i'm almost done i promise he said go up eat and drink for there is the sound of abundance of rain So Ahab went up, he ate, he drank, and Elijah went to the top of the mountain and he bowed down to the ground and he put his face between his knees and he said to the servant, now, go look towards the sea and tell me that there's rain. Elijah, bold, full of fire, God just showed off and he said, all right, here's what we're gonna do. You go and you have a party. I'm gonna go up to the mountain and I'm gonna pray and my servant, go and look at the clouds. Take a picture. Send it to me. Text it to me. I want to see a picture. I want to see a picture of this huge storm cloud that's coming. That's going to just soak everything. And it's going to be, am- it's going to be like a, a rain like nobody has ever seen before. And so what happened? The servant went up. and not that what happened? He took a picture. He's like, look, rain cloud selfie, right? Hashtag rain's coming. First time in 30 years. Not 33 years. Sorry rain's coming, rain's here, right? No, that's not what happened. Elijah goes up, he starts praying, he's like, hey, bro, go take a picture of the clouds. The guy runs over there, he t- he's like, oh, man. <laughs> hey, uh, I don't mean to interrupt your, like, praying, man, but, uh, like, there's, there's nothing, there's no cloud, there's not even, like, a marshmallow in the sky, there's nothing, no clouds. Elijah said, go look again. All right. Go look. He's like, it's got to be here this time. This, this guy just made fire come down. There's, there's got to be a cloud. Nothing. Elijah says, go again. Third time. Nothing. Go again. A fourth time. Nothing. Go again. A fifth time. Nothing. Bro, I'm getting tired of walking back and forth, all right? No, go again. Seven times. On the seventh time, he's like, I don't see anything. Oh, man. I see a cloud over there. I see a little, it's like the size of a guy's hand. It's little, but it's a cloud. He goes back to Elijah. I didn't even take a drink that time. He goes, I'm just excited. He goes over to Elijah. He's like, oh, man, there's a, you can see it over there. There's a cloud over there. There's a cloud over there. I see a cloud beginning to form. It's getting bigger, and it's growing. Sometimes in our life, we begin to speak the words of God over our situation, and it doesn't seem like anything is happening. And God is saying, go look again. No, go look again. Don't give up. Keep looking. And you look, and you're like, oh, it's little, but there's something over there. Maybe it's a little cloud. Maybe it's just the size of a hand, but it begins to grow. Look at what he said. It said, and it came to pass a seventh time, verse 44, it came to pass a seventh time that there's a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. And so he goes up and says, all right, go tell everybody to prepare for rain. Go tell everybody to prepare for rain. I am here to tell you that this nation... Our community, our city, our state, the United States, this world needs the rain of God. We need the living water of God to rush over our nation, to rush over our world. We need it to happen, but in order for it to happen, you got to have some fire first. You need the fire first for everybody else because you've experienced the rain. You've experienced the rain, but everybody else needs it too. And so you need the fire. And you say, oh, come on. I'm going to get the fire. Pour down. Burn up this place. And bring the fire for everybody else. And once that fire gets their attention, does it get somebody's attention when you go up? We've said before, and I told you this doesn't have to be weird. I don't expect you to go into work tomorrow morning and say, thus saith the Lord, the rain is coming. Mic drop, out, right? You don't need to do that. But what if you go up and the spirit of God begins to move on you because you got fire and he begins to move. And you say, hey, I noticed that you were having a little bit of a rough day. I just wanted you to know that I'm praying for you. Nothing weird. You don't have to like lay hands in the middle of the office. I'm not saying you can't. What if God begins to move on you? And then the rain starts happening in that person's life. Because God got their attention. Man, why would anybody care about me? Why would a church want to give handfuls of candy? They don't even have any of those just orange wrapper ones. They got the good candy. Except for Ruth, and we got the orange ones for her because she likes them. (laughs) Why would somebody care about me? Because we got the fire, that's why we care. And we need the rain on you. We need the rain out there. And the rain's coming. And the rain's coming. Maybe you feel like, man, I've been doing this for so long and nothing's happening. Oh, the rain's coming. The rain's coming. And it's going to pour out such a big blessing. Man, you need to tell everybody who's not here to watch this because they need it today. The rain. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and the wind and there was a heavy rain and Ahab rode away with Jezebel. There was a heavy rain. Guys, I believe that heavy rain is coming. We need the power. We need the fire so that we can bring the rain. Amen? Amen? Praise God. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. Today, for your love and your goodness. God, I thank you for your acceptance. I thank you that Jesus made a way for us so that we could be right in the eyes of God. God, sometimes it puzzles me as to why you use me messed up, broken. But I thank you that you look past my fault. And you saw my need. You knew that I couldn't do this on my own by myself. You knew that I couldn't live this life. I couldn't be successful, but you called me to be a success. And so you raised me up. God, I pray for this church that you have raised us up in the middle of a dark place. And you said, go and be a light. You say, go and be love, go and be my hands, go and be my feet, go and be my voice. And then you've given us ways to do that. You've given us resources to do that. With everybody's head bowed and eyes closed today, if you would say, you know, you talked a lot about Jesus and as, him as the answer and him as the hope and and for me, I'm, I'm really messed up. I, I'm kind of in a bad place. I'm hurting today. I'm broken today. And I feel like I don't have anyone. I've never, I've never thought about reaching out to Jesus before. Maybe you say, man, I'm, I'm a little too messed up. Why don't you let me get myself right and then I'll come back and we'll do this thing? I'm here to tell you today Jesus knows every part about you, everything. He knows how messed up you are. When he was on the cross, he was thinking about how messed up you are. And he said, I want to die for him because he's pretty messed up and he needs help. It, the Bible even goes so far to say that God knows our thoughts. Think about how scary that is. There's a lot of things that you don't say, but you think it. God knows those things too. And he still said that I want to give my life for you. So if you're here today, you've never received Jesus, I want to invite you to meet Jesus today. Let me help you. Once again, I'm not special or anything like that. I'm just a normal dude. But I came to realize that my life was kind of terrible without God in it. I'd like to ask you to repeat this prayer after me. I don't want you to just do it blind. What we're going to say is, Jesus, your way is better than mine, and I need help and we're going to ask him to come and to help us. The Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouth that he's Lord or you say your way is better than mine and I want, I want your direction and I'm going to follow you and then it says if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that means that you believe that that's true and the Bible said that Jesus died on the cross and on the third day he rose again. That today the tomb is empty if you've never said that and meant it in your heart and you want to today, I want to invite you to say this after me and then I'm going to ask everybody in here to say it with us as a show of support to those who maybe haven't. See, it's not about making you feel weird or uncomfortable or making you come forward or anything like that. It's just between you and God. And in here, we're family. So we want to support you. So say this after me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're God's son. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that you rose again. And today I ask you to come into my life to help me and to change me. And I give my life to you. Jesus, I thank you for loving me, for not giving up on me. In Jesus' name well thank you once again for joining us today online we want to connect with you and we can do so one of three ways you can email us church at wolcarlsbad.com you can connect with us via our facebook page which is facebook.com slash wolcarlsbad or you can click contact us via our app or our website We would love to hear from you, and we want you to know that God is madly in love with you. Thanks for joining us.